Well, good evening, everyone. We greet you tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have such a desire to be faithful to our God in His kingdom that we would prosper in His will for us. His will for our families, that our families would prosper, our churches would prosper, our witness would prosper, that we would be all that God wants us to be, that we would bring Him glory and learn to trust Him more. You know, for that to happen, we need to examine our hearts on a regular basis. Self-examination of our life because the flesh is always rising up. I think we could all testify to that. It's, it's impossible for the flesh to be all that God wants us to be. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. So may tonight be a blessing as we have a little self-examination here of our heart. The title for our message this evening is Chosen and Ordained to Bear Fruit. That sounds pretty serious. You know, I always knew that the scriptures said that we needed to bring forth fruit, but I kind of forgot it was this strong. This is quoting scripture here. Chosen and ordained to bear fruit. And it's just good if we would have a self-examination each of our own life. Are we bringing forth that fruit that God has made provision for us to bring forth? I think about being chosen... Yeah, it's a very special word. I think we've probably all experienced being chosen sometime or other in the past, maybe even playing a ball game, and uh, the teams are being chosen, and, and your name was called out, and that's just a special choice there. And I know many of us here tonight are married, and, and, and you know, your companion, you were chosen. Yeah, you're the one that was chosen, and it's a very special thing. And we need to understand tonight that each one of us God has chosen us. But He hasn't only chosen us, He has ordained us. Now, ordaining is more than just chosen. When someone is ordained, there is a special bestowing of grace in abundance of what you never had before. It's a provision for you to do a job before you, a calling before you, It's an outpouring from God upon your life. It actually gives you some authority. It gives you some grace. It can give you gifts. You know, I think about the scripture where I think it's Timothy that talks about neglect not the gift that is in thee that was given to you by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He got something he didn't have before for the job that was before them. And so we have been chosen and we have been ordained. We've been given provision that we would bear fruit in the kingdom of God. So I'd like to consider that this evening. Bearing fruit, bearing much fruit, and examine the fruit of our life. What kind of fruit is my life producing? And I want to challenge the students here this week. You know, you can't really measure that by being here at Bible school. But what kind of fruit... Is your life producing in everyday life? When the trials and challenges of everyday life come before you, what kind of fruit are you producing? If you were a fruit tree, what would your fruit look like? Would it look good but be bitter? 
Or would it be sweet and refreshing? Or would it not even look good? Would it be a withered fruit? <clears throat> Sometimes it's good for us to let other people examine our fruit and then give them liberty to speak into our life. If others see some need in our life, in the fruit that we are bearing, in the things that come out of our life, maybe they see some withered fruit, some bitterness, we can't just declare that we have good fruit because I have a testimony of being in Christ. Jesus did not say, by what they declare, you will know them. What did he say? By their fruit, you will know them. That's the very convicting words, I believe, of the Lord Jesus. And that is why David said in the Psalms, or search me, O God. That's what we want to do tonight. And know my heart. Try me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And I was look at my fruit. And lead me in the way everlasting. <clears throat> That's the burden that we have this evening. That we would examine the fruit of our lives before God. From God's perspective. How do I look to God? You know, my uncle Ed used to tell me, he said, there's three ways that you can uh, see yourself. And judge yourself. He said, the first way... Is, is how you see yourself. The second way is how others see you. And the third way is how God sees you. And then he went on to say that the first way, how you see yourself is the least accurate. How others see you is more accurate. But how God sees you is all that counts. And so it's a serious examination this evening. That we could look at the fruit of our life. And I don't want to look at the situation of life that we are in or the circumstance that we're in and justify our fruit or lack of it because of our situation. God looks beyond that and He looks for the fruit. How we are responding in the situation that we are in. So what does God see when He looks at my life? <clears throat> Remember that God not only has chosen us, but He has ordained us. And think of a fruit tree. God not only chose the tree and had it planted, but He's providing the water. He's providing the fertilizer. He's providing everything that it takes to bear fruit. And we want to look at the scripture tonight. God's response when all that provision has been poured into us and we do not produce food, fruit. <clears throat> Now I want to spend some time here. I want to just make a point. When you examine the fruit of your life or of someone else's life, you are not looking at their heart. Fruit is an outward thing. That's where fruit is. The heart is an inward thing. Fruit is always on the outside. That's what fruit is. And when you examine the fruit of a tree or of a person's life, you are not looking at their heart. Examining fruit is looking at fruit. But when you examine fruit on the outside, you are learning almost everything there is to learn and to know about the heart that is on the inside. You're getting tremendous understanding of what is in the heart and you're not even looking at it. 
And what I'm doing here is what God does, he connects the heart with the fruit. They are inseparable. Brothers and sisters, youth, we are living in an age when people declare, Christianity declares, that you cannot judge someone by the outside because God knows the heart. And, and I think the scriptures are going to tell us as if there's a difference. I don't believe it's true that you can separate them because Jesus said, by their fruits ye shall know them. That's the formula that he gave. And I don't think we should be afraid of the formula that Jesus gave. By their fruits, ye shall know them. <clears throat> when I look at you, when I look at someone, I, I can't see your heart. I, I don't know what's in there. I can't see it. But it manifests itself by the fruit. Your fruit is on display <laughs> on the outside. It's there for everyone to behold. And it is connected directly to the heart. <clears throat> I can see the fruit. It's on display and it's accurate because Jesus said so. And Jesus said that a good tree, a good person, a good heart, cannot produce evil fruit. That's just interesting, isn't it? It can't happen. And now I don't think that means we're saying here that a good person could never make a mistake Oh, if there's no room for growth, that's not the point. But Jesus made a point, and he also said that an evil tree, an evil person, a bad heart, cannot produce good fruit. It just doesn't happen, according to Jesus, because by their fruits, you will know them. And it doesn't matter what you say. You know, King Saul said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's what he said. But you know what? <laughs> That's not what he was judged by. What was he judged by? Then what meaneth this bleating of sheep in my ears? It was the fruit of his journey that brought him judgment, that took the throne away from him. It wasn't the testimony of what he declared was true. So it's good to examine the fruit of our life. God does, and so we would like to open our Bibles this evening to Luke chapter 13. We want to look at a passage of Scripture here. In Luke chapter 13, we're going to look here at the start of this chapter. And in this, I'm going to read the first five verses here. And here again, students, I just want you to notice the context here. Jesus uh, there's some people that came and talked to Jesus. He gave them an answer, and then he gave them a parable to illustrate the point that he was making. That, this parable is right in context with these first five verses. There were present at that season some that told him, and Jesus is here in Jerusalem. And some of these people in Jerusalem are somewhat proud of themselves. And they think about the people up there in Galilee as being somewhat of a lower class, a little bit less religious. And there were present at that season, some from Jerusalem, I'm going to say, that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I mean, these people from Jerusalem, they asked Jesus a question about these Galileans. Whoa, they must be sinners up there for this to happen. And Jesus said, Do you think... 
They were sinners above all Galileans. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And I think what he's saying here is you better examine the fruit of your own life. There's some needs there. Or those 18, Jesus brings a little closer home, upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? He brought it right back to Jerusalem and he said, I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then he spoke a parable. And I want to I look at this parable. Let's read this. Just uh, four verses here. And it's a beautiful little parable. But it's an examination of the fruit that we are producing. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. This is God's heart. This is written in red. When there is no fruit because we have been chosen and ordained, we've been given provision. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig it about and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. <clears throat> I want you to notice that this fig tree is a favored fig tree. This fig tree was planted in a choice place. It was planted in a place of protection. This fig tree was planted in the master's garden. It was planted and it was, it was given a wonderful husbandman who knew how to take care of trees to make them produce fruit. It was planted in good soil. I just want us to know this was a favored fig tree. And the thing I want to bring out this evening is that us here tonight... We are a favored fig tree. You can look all over this world. There are people who have never even heard about Jesus Christ. They've never even heard the gospel message. They've never even, I'm just going to say it this way, had a chance to understand salvation. And here we are right in the middle of opportunity and preaching and blessing. We are a favored fig tree. Planted in good soil. I love good soil. I'm from California. I remember that Hanford Sandy Loam out there. Brother Joe, maybe you remember that too. It just, it held the nutrients and yet it drained the water and oh, it produced fruit. It was just a, it was a good soil. Well, that's where this tree was. <clears throat> it was a favored fig tree. And this fig tree had a vine dresser. It had a husbandman. This was a good husbandman. He knew how to plant trees. He put that tree in the ground. He spread the roots. He put the right soil around it. He, he gave it the right fertilizer. He pruned it right. He did everything right for this tree to produce fruit. And what Jesus is saying here to us, we are this favored fig tree. He has done everything for us. What kind of fruit 
are we producing? <clears throat> you know, I marvel at a husbandman. Some people just have that gift. My wife comes from uh, a pretty good line of husbandmen. Her father, he lives in Virginia, and it's just kind of fun. You just drive in the lane there, kind of back along the hillside, and he's got grapevines growing along there. That man can get more big, juicy, sweet grapes out of a little grapevine than anybody I ever saw. It's just amazing. And her grandpa, uh, Grandpa Grover, <clears throat> he was a husbandman. He was just an amazing uh, grandfather when I, when I married Twyla. He knew how to produce fruit. He had a little, I think it was a five-acre farm there. He had, just had different fruit trees. And he had a little wagon out front. And he would pick the fruit and he would put it on the wagon. And the neighbors around him, I mean, the wagon was always empty. There was never enough fruit. Because Grandpa had a reputation and the wisdom of being a husbandman. In fact, it was kind of interesting. <clears throat> Grandpa read about the, uh, the tree in Revelation. I think it's the tree of life by the river of life there that it says it brought forth 12 manner of fruit. And Grandpa wanted to, he wanted to have one of them trees. And he knew how to graft. And he, he had a peach tree that was growing right there by the lane. Some of you here might remember this tree. He, he cut off one limb and he grafted in, you know, it was a peach tree and he grafted in an almond limb. And so he's got almonds growing on his peach tree. And he cuts another limb and, and he, he had figs growing on this tree. And then on another limb he had apricots growing. And on another limb he had nectarines. And, and he had, he wanted 12 manner of fruit. And I called my father-in-law a while back and I asked him if he ever got it. And he said he wasn't sure he ever quite got 12. But I mean he even got different varieties of peaches. He had clings on one and free stones on another. And, and this tree was quite a tree. I mean it would bloom in the spring, you know. And apricots and and almonds, they bloom white, and peaches and nectarines, they bloom different shades of pink and red, and plums, I think, bloom purple. It was quite a tree. He was a good husbandman. And the point that I'm making is if, if y'all have a, a, a fruit orchard, wouldn't you want Grandpa Grover to take care of it? I mean, you'd really enjoy the fruit. Well, this fig tree that Jesus is telling about in this parable had a good husbandman. He did everything that he could do for this tree to produce fruit. And we are that favored fig tree. And the Lord of the vineyard came back after the first year seeking fruit on that tree. And there was none. How disappointed he must have been. But isn't our God, he, he works with people. You know, the kingdom of God is people. And he works with people and he gives them opportunity. And he just probably had a few words with the husbandman. And he came back the second year. And there was no fruit. And he's more disappointed. And, and I'm sure that there's a few more words that he had with the husbandman. But he came back the third year, it says here. And there was no fruit. And, and there's a point where God works with people. But when we reject him long enough... When we make excuses long enough for our situation and our circumstances on why we're not producing fruit, there is a point where the Lord says, cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And I think this is a very sobering thing. You know, brothers and sisters, I, 
I look back over the years. I'm getting far enough down the road now. I tell people I'm not over the hill yet, but I'm getting a pretty good view of the valley. <laughs> but I'm down the road quite a ways. And as I look back, back the road a ways, I look at some of the people that I walk side by side with. People that encouraged me in the Lord, strengthened my faith. People who I looked up to. And, and somewhere down the road, something happened. I've wondered what could it be? I look at them today and I see situations of just a lost condition. I, I see just the whole scene of you know, divorce and remarriage and uh, immodesty. And it, the list is long and I look at that and I remember and I say, how did that happen? And I'm just going to put out a little sobering warning here. You know, as the Lord comes back looking for fruit. There, there's, there's a divided heart somewhere. And that thing begins to part and take some different directions. And there's a point where the Lord doesn't come back. Dig it about and dung it. That was the cry of the husbandman, was it not? Let me do one more thing. One last effort here to bring this fig tree to production. And if it doesn't work, okay, we're done. And I've just wondered, God works with people. But sometimes, if, if we don't bear fruit and we think, you know, nothing happens this year. And, and so we think God's not, it's not that big a thing with God. Second year, nothing happens. Third year. And so we interpret there's going to be mercy for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. From here on, years. The mercy of God will just keep coming and I'll be okay. But that's not right. There is a point where judgment comes. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? <clears throat> if our life is not producing fruit, maybe we're in our last year of mercy. When God backs away and lets our life take its course, that's a sobering reality that we see all around us. I would like to consider two questions here this evening. Number one, how serious is God really that we bear fruit? And secondly, what is the fruit that he's looking for? <clears throat> yeah, or, or he's through with us. How serious is God that we bear fruit? If we have a testimony for him, is that good enough? I believe we are living in an age... When much of Christianity declares that, yes, we need to bear fruit, Christians should bear fruit, but even if you don't, your seed still remains in you, and you are one of His own. Is that right? You know, it's easy for me to say, I'd be glad if it is. God is God. And so we bow in reverence to Him. But God is serious. If it's not that big a thing, why did he say, cut it down? Why cumbereth it the ground? <clears throat> I think we can learn from that parable that God is very serious. He came seeking fruit. He didn't just come back to check up on this fig tree and see how the tree itself was doing. He didn't come back to check up on this tree and see how big it was and how flourishing it had become. He didn't come back to check out the root system. He came back with a single eye. Think about it. He was coming back to check for fruit. 
And I want that to be the examination of our heart this evening. If we're a fig tree and we're standing here and the Lord comes and he takes a look at our life, how would you feel? You're standing here as a fruit tree before the Lord and he comes. He knows everything about your heart and your life. Would he pick good fruit? Would he be able to taste it and it would be fresh and sweet? <clears throat> or would you be standing there when the Lord comes and you know that your fruit is not good? You know that there's some shriveled fruit and maybe even some not there. And you might even be thinking, you know, I hope that he looks at my roots. I know I have good roots. But he didn't come to check roots. You know why? Because in checking fruit, he knows the condition of the roots. In checking fruit, he knows the condition of the heart. This is very contrary to much of teaching in modern Christianity that says you cannot judge me by the outside. Fruit is an outward thing. And Jesus said by their fruit, you will know what is in their heart. <clears throat> I would like to turn to John chapter 15. There's another little analogy here about fruit. I know we all are familiar with this passage, but I would like to read it. This is a, a little different analogy here. Uh, no longer is uh, the fig tree itself, you know, its own tree. In this analogy, Jesus Christ is the vine. God himself is the husbandman. And we are the branches. It's a different analogy, but the focus is exactly the same. He wants fruit. And we're going to talk about what the fruit is that he looks for here in just a little bit. But let's read this passage. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Brothers and sisters, that, that's us. That's, we're the branches. If we don't bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. He's interested in fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Notice the judgment that comes when there's no fruit. This isn't the end of life. This is now, while we are alive. <clears throat> if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." <clears throat> Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, uh, 
If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is a destroying fire. God has a cleansing fire. A cleansing fire like we read about in Malachi where it speaks of he shall sit as a refiner's fire and a purifier of silver and he shall purify the sons of Levi and that's with fire. And that's a little bit more like, you know, dig about it and dung it. It's doing everything you can. It's giving this thing a last effort to bring this tree to production, to bring fruit upon this fire uh, tree. God is doing everything he can. And that's what we read here in verse 6. When there is no fruit on this branch, it is cast forth and it is burned in the fire. God wants us to produce fruit. Hosea has an interesting uh, phrase in it that we read today. Brother Joe, it says, from me, God speaking, says, from me, is thy fruit found. That's interesting, isn't it? God wants us to bear fruit, and from Him is this fruit found. In other words, the provision that He has made. I mean, He's a, a, what should I say? He's a good farmer. He does everything right. It's perfect soil in Him, in Christ. How are you going to get any better soil than that? How are you going to get any better provision than that to produce fruit? God wants fruit. And I want to read verse 16 here also. This is where we we get the words for the title. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. Let's turn to a couple more scriptures here just to strengthen... Uh, God's heart in us bearing fruit. In Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, I think it would be good if we just turn here and read this together. Matthew chapter 7, I want to read verses 16 through 20. We can put stock and confidence in the teachings of the Lord. Jesus said, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. This is God's heart. We need to take a look at our life and see if we are producing according to the provision that he has made. If we turn over a few pages here to chapter 12 of Matthew, I want to read a few verses here. I'm going to start at verse 33 and read a few verses Jesus again here says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. 
I just see in that verse, and, and this is Jesus teaching the same thing again just a little bit later. He's driving the point home. <clears throat> don't say, I know I have problems and I know I don't have any fruit in my life, but I have a good heart. It's not possible. If there's no fruit, you have a problem in your heart. And it needs to be dealt with. You cannot repair fruit. All you can do is deal with the heart to fix the situation. But we cannot declare that we have a good heart or someone has a good heart when the, the fruit is bad. Jesus said either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. And I tell you, he's talking about us. That's what he says, whole generation of vipers. He's speaking to us. He wants us to understand. He's chosen us. He's ordained us to bear fruit. And he comes to see the fruit that our life is bearing. And when there is none, there is a point. God is long-suffering, but there's a point where judgment comes. And, and it, God lets us go. And that's what happens to many of the, the friends that I was speaking of earlier. I, I can't comprehend the, the sin and the lifestyle that they have adopted. God let them go. Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? In other words, if your heart's bad, how are you going to speak good things? Do you know what words are? Speaking is words. Do you know what words are? They're outward things. They're fruit. They just come right out. They're just right out here for everyone to see and hear. But where do they come from? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It's the outward that really reveals what's on the inside. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. That's just the way it is. You can't separate the inside and the outside. But I say unto you that every idle word that's on the outside now, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And notice this, for by thy words, something on the outside, Thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. It's something on the outside, but it's just simply a revelation of what is in the heart. Fruit will never rise above the condition of the heart. And a heart is never any better than the condition of the fruit. And I'm going to say again, you can't fix fruit. Bad fruit, no fruit, you can't deal it, fix it by dealing with the fruit. What do you deal with? You deal with the heart. You know, when Jesus, in the first parable we read there, when he came seeking fruit on this fig tree, and he saw none, the conclusion for the last effort was dig about it and dung it. Don't deal with the fruit, deal with the root. Deal with the heart. Deal with the source of man's doings. It's in his heart. Dig about him and dung him. And sometimes that's what God does to us. And you know, we cry out when we get digged about and dunged. Don't we? 
But I tell you, it's, it's the mercy of God. He's making a last effort to bring us to production. That's the heart of God. <clears throat> you can't deal with the th fruit. You can only deal with the heart. But you have to deal with the heart. Because God requires that we bring forth fruit. And that's why we're having this examination this evening. Each of us looking into our life. Does my life produce the things that, that I should be producing as a child of God in Christ, in a favored land? We're the favored fig tree. Are we producing? Jesus said, first cleanse the inside of the cup that the outside may be clean also. But the reason that you first clean the inside of the cup is before you do that, you looked at the outside and saw there was a need. When you see the need on the outside, clean the inside, that the outside may be clean also. You deal with the heart. Now I want to move on to that second part, the question, what is the fruit that God is looking for? This has long been discussed. What is the fruit that we should bear? What kind of fruit is God looking for? I'm going to give to you what I believe is a very simple answer. I believe it's very close to the heart of God. When you are a child of God, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, filled with all the fullness of God and the anointing of God is upon you, the fruit that God looks for in your life when you are filled with the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within you. You're, you're a favored fig tree in Christ, in good soil. And the fruit of the Spirit is just going to come out on the outside. I, I, I give that, believing that. The fruit that God is looking for is not success in business. It's not, you know, looking young when you're old or any of that stuff that just drives this world around us. That's not the fruit God is looking for. Many people say the fruit God is looking for is bringing souls to Him. And, and I want to challenge you with that thought just a moment because... Certainly, that's what God is looking for. God wants that to happen. But when a soul comes to God, let's remember that is the work of God. That is the operation of God. No man comes to the Father except the Father draw him. That's his fruit. He is doing that. Now, witnessing and reaching out, that's fruit that we can have. That's seed that we can plant. That's something God can work with, but God draws men unto himself. I think the fruit that we have, the fruit that we produce, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, godliness, faith, all of these things, they have a witness and it's a beautiful drawing. I think I'll tell this story. It was just an interesting story to me. I'll tell this to you girls. <laughs> we have a sister in our fellowship, and she is 
Everything that I think God would want in producing fruit. She's just effervesces with joy. She has peace. She's so compassionate and she's expressive. And her countenance is bright that it's just a blessing. And she was, her father died and she was helping her mother make a living. And she was selling some bread in town there where we live. And uh, this, this fellow walks up. He had long hair. He was kind of dirty. He was kind of a... I would say a hippie type guy. And he walks up there and he wanted bread. And she's standing there just with this bright countenance, just saying, good morning. How are you doing today? Oh, he said, not good. It's not a good day. Oh, I'm so sorry, she said. What's the matter? And she was just so compassionate. And he shared a few things and she just kind of wept with him, so to speak. And uh, he bought his bread and he went his way. And uh, the next day, she was selling bread again, and this guy comes back, and he walks up to her, and he says, I would like for you to marry me. <laughs> Why did he say that? Because there's a witness in the fruit of the Spirit. I, I don't think that man had ever seen that kind of love. He had never seen that kind of compassion. Now, believe me, I don't think you need to marry someone to witness to them, <laughs> so be careful with that, but I believe there is a witness in bearing the fruit that God has made provision for us to produce. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. That needs to come out in fruit. It'll have a testimony, I believe, in Seattle tomorrow. We need to have it. A clear countenance. A joyful countenance. It's a beautiful picture. <clears throat> When that love, when that joy, when that peace works itself out in our marriages, in our relationships, in our churches, in our witness, when it reaches out to our enemies, when that love and tenderness and understanding heart and compassion works itself out in forgiveness... It's beautiful. And so examine your heart. Is that fruit in your life, in everyday life at home? That compassion. What kind of relationship do you have with your parents? How open are you to correction? This is fruit. And if it's not there, brothers and sisters, that's no fruit. That's God coming to check this favored fig tree. And there's no fruit. There's independence. There's seeking your own way. There's resistance to the authority that God has brought into our life. It's no fruit. That's a serious thing. And faith. If our faith is weak, if we have no burden for the lost, when the trials of life hit, if we're not gentle and meek, if we react and become bitter, that's no fruit. That's what that is. That's the fruit that God is looking for. Do you have it? Are you known by it? Like that sister in our church? There's a reputation there. God wants His people to be known 
by the fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. If it's not there, it's time to dig it about and dung it. And that's us, brothers and sisters. When we are digged about and dunged, I tell you what it is. It's a call to repentance. And that's a good thing. It's a refiner's fire to bring us to produce more fruit. I think Romans 6 says, Having become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. It must be there. I want us to just take a minute and think. Does my life produce the fruit of the Spirit? Now I want to take just a little bit of time here. I want to add this almost as an addendum to the first uh, meeting that we had on Monday evening when we were encouraging us to press in to the kingdom of God. I, I want to caution us that we need to take heed how we press in to the kingdom of God. You know, you can't just press into the kingdom of God with bad fruit. God will not overlook our needs so that we can press into the kingdom. God will deal with our needs. He won't do an end run around the little things so that we can get on with the big things. I think about sometimes the seven sons of Sceva there. Those men were Jews. And, and they knew the Jewish way. And they heard Paul preach. They heard the gospel come forth. They saw the miracles that were done. They saw the healing that took place. And I mean, they got excited. They were going to press into the kingdom too. And so what did they do? They cast out devils in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preacheth. And what happened? We know what happened. The evil spirits leaped upon them and wounded them. And they fled from that place naked, I think it says. A terrible result. We can't just press into the kingdom. We must take heed how we press in. I want to turn and read in 2 Peter chapter 1. Then we're going to bring this to a close. In 2 Peter chapter 1, again, a very <clears throat> common passage, but I want to look here at this little list. It says in verse 4, that whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Don't you see how you press into the kingdom of God here? The violent take it by force. The high energy take it by diligence. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. You know, this list here is somewhat similar to the fruit of the Spirit. There's about five of these that are the same. Godliness is like goodness. Uh, brotherly kindness, and that's like love. I mean, they're all in here. Patience is like long-suffering. It, it's kind of another uh, expression of the fruit of the Spirit. And God wants this. 
Add to your faith. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Here it is. Add to that thing. Virtue. That's a long list. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. And then it says, For if these things be in you and abound. Look, look at that. It, it's abound. That's fruit on the outside. That's a good crop. That's what that is. You know, we, still, you, we used to love a good crop. Uh, every farmer does. But out in California, remember when the almond trees, they just, those old limbs would just hang down. And the peach limbs would hang so low, we had to prop them up. I, I mean, God wants this fruit to abound. If these things be in you and abound... And I want you to notice this little term here, these things. That's referring to the fruit that God is looking for. That's this little list that He has given here. That's the fruit of the Spirit. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. See, He's even referring to this as fruit. When you have these things, you'll have fruit. You won't be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's five references to this little list that's given here. We just read one. If you have these things, you'll never be unfruitful. Verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We're talking about someone here who got saved. But their life didn't produce fruit. It's a serious situation. He that lacketh these things, this fruit of the Spirit, is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. Here's this diligence again as we press into the kingdom to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, there it is. That's the third time of reference to, the, to this list here, this fruit of the Spirit. If you do these things, ye shall never fail. And I want to think about pressing into the kingdom of God now. Look at this. Verse 11, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to press in deeper into the kingdom. We want to go deeper with God. We want to be rooted and grounded in Him. We want to produce fruit. But look, there's an entrance here. You know, we don't have to pound on the door. We don't have to break the door down. Look, an entrance shall be ministered unto you when you have these things. This list here, the fruit of the Spirit, when it comes out of our life, not only shall a, an interest be ministered unto you, it's going to be ministered unto you abundantly. I mean, doors are just going to open as you proceed through life. It's a beautiful thing. But we need this fruit. Do you have it? Are you known by it? Do you see it as a serious thing? Verse 12 says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. <laughs> there it is again. 
for the fourth time. And now it's just going to be put in remembrance. He doesn't want this thing to go away. He, and he says, I know you know them and are established in the present truth. Yea, and I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Paul says, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm preaching, I've got to pre keep preaching that we need to bear fruit. And he said, I I'm going to be passing on. And it's just interesting here, he says, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things. There it is for the fifth time. Always in remembrance. This thing needs to be reality with us. We need to feel the pressure from God upon us to have love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And you know, you'll never be persecuted for it. Against such, there is no law. You can do it. This is a marvelous opportunity to witness. No one is going to stop us. And it's a powerful witness, I believe. <clears throat> The kingdom of God, I believe, is a seed-planting kingdom. I get excited about the thought of planting seeds. That's God's way. That's God's way to witness. That's what we want to do in Seattle tomorrow. You know, we may not see all the results of what we want to see, but if you plant a seed, just remember, God can water that thing. He can nurture that thing. Paul said, well, I think about the parable that Jesus gave of the sower. You know, that's, that's a parable of scattering seed. And when that parable was over, the disciples asked him and said, Lord, explain it to us. And he just said, the seed is the word of God. That's like seed. We scatter seed like the song. Scatter seed on every side, send it far and send it wide. Scatter seed on every side. It's a beautiful picture. Paul said, I have planted Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. It's a beautiful picture. God wants us to plant seeds, but I want to challenge us with something here in closing. Where do seeds come from? Where do we get them? And don't say the farm store. Where does the farm store get them? Where do seeds come from? You know, if the natural could ever teach us anything about the spiritual, here it is. Where do seeds come from? Brothers and sisters, they always come from fruit. That's where the seeds are always at. Think about an apple. Where are the seeds? They're in the fruit. Think about an orange. Where are the seeds? They're inside the fruit. Beans, peas, you name it. Watermelons, the seed is always in the fruit. Flowers, where are the seeds? <laughs> they're in the blossom. They're in the, they're in the fruit. Always. And we are in a seed planting kingdom. And I just tell you, if we don't produce the fruit that God has provided for us to produce, how are we going to plant seeds? I think that dear sister from our fellowship planted seeds. And it came right out of the fruit of her life. 
I don't know where they're going to spring up, but I think they're going to come up somewhere because God is faithful. Sometimes we're so busy guarding our liberties and establishing our doctrines that we forget about what kind of fruit we are producing in everyday life. I mean, I've had that happen before. I've been working on a sermon and my child comes up and says, Daddy, can we play? No, don't bother me. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't work. How do we do in everyday life? What kind of fruit do we produce? When we're not satisfied with too many things around us, it affects our fruit. A dissatisfied heart rarely produces rich fruit. We need to have a thankful heart. We really do. I, I was impressed. My w- wife read me a story the other day about a family that moved west in old times, and they got out there, and they lived in a little house, dirt floor, t- 12 by 16 building house is where they lived, a father and a mother and two young children. And, and they lived in this house with a wood floor. And, and they were glad. They were thankful for it. But things went well, and the day came when Dad could put down a wood floor. He got enough wood to make a floor for their little house. And I mean, he got that wood in there, and they were so excited, those children, they ran from one side of that house to the other, and they were clapping their hands, running back and forth. They were so excited, and and Dad was laughing, and and Mom, and they just grabbed arms and swung around and did a little dance right there on that wood floor. They were so thankful for that wood floor. And she read that story to me, and I thought, I wonder if we would even be thankful for the floor that they had. You know, it probably wasn't much. But they were so thankful. And I'll tell you tonight, what is the thankful level in our heart? We don't maybe have a new wood floor, but we have a a Lord Jesus Christ. We have the shed blood and the sacrifice for sin. We have been chosen. We've been ordained. God has given us provision that the fruit of the Spirit would come from within. He's given us the indwelling Spirit. It's all ours. Gentleness, kindness, love, godliness, faith. God comes looking for it in our life. Remember the verse from Hosea. From me is thy fruit found. Chosen and ordained. To bring forth fruit, may we be faithful. God bless you.